We are the leaders of tomorrow. To ensure we are well prepared, we need to engage each other in thoughtful conversation and build a more empathetic understanding of the complex world in which we live. We're your hosts, Akash and Charles, and you're listening to A Point of View. After taking some time off, A Point of View is returning like a phoenix from the ashes. In this first episode of 2022, we wanted to look back on some of the most impactful moments of 2021 and discuss a few trends that will shape perspectives this year. Stay tuned. Twenty twenty one has been one of the most impactful years in recent memory, and despite all the lockdowns and quarantines, a lot has happened. Charles, what's one event from twenty twenty one that helped shape your perspectives for this upcoming year? I think a good place to start is talking about COVID. Uh, to date, COVID unfortunately has infected more than three hundred seventy million people and claimed more than five point seven million lives. We continue to fight this virus indeed, but I wanted to reflect on some of the successes we have enjoyed against it. We developed a vaccine in less than a year. Put into context, a traditional vaccine would take a minimum of at least 10 years to develop. We achieved this, however, in large thanks to mRNA technological advancements, countless hours of dedication from global scientists, an intense collaboration between governments and the private sector, which de-risked research and development to bring us the progress we have seen today. Today in Canada, 84% of the population have received at least one dose, with 78% fully vaccinated. And this is similar in most advanced economies. The progress we have made is very impressive, particularly in light of how things looked at the beginning of the pandemic. In the US alone, an estimated 1.1 million lives have been saved and over 10 million hospitalizations prevented because of vaccinations. And this, of course, will be much more if we take into context what is happening globally. Despite these successes, however, there are some concerns, not least that nearly 50% of the global population remain unvaccinated. What trade-offs are we making when we provide booster shots to some whilst a significant number around the world have not yet been vaccinated. As a global community, how much additional long-term safety will boosters provide when 48% of people globally are unvaccinated? These are questions that remain for us to answer, and I believe 2022 will give us better perspectives. And one of the big questions moving forwards will be to what extent the uncertainty that we've seen over the past two years continues into 2022 whether related to the global rates of vaccination, which seem to be stagnating, or whether related to the potential for new variants to come up and impede our ability to return to some sense of normalcy. Moving from that though, Akash, what other trends did you see in 2021? One really exciting trend that we saw this past year was the emergence of NFTs. Now, many of you might be confused already as to what an NFT is. Don't worry, we'll explain it. The acronym NFT stands for a non-fungible token, with the non-fungible aspect meaning that it's unique and cannot be replaced by anything else. A Canadian dollar, for example, is fungible in the sense that one dollar is equivalent to any other dollar, and they'll both be able to buy the same goods and services. Compare that to the original painting of the Mona Lisa, which is non-fungible in the sense that there is only one of them that exists, 
and only one that will ever exist. Now, in 2021, this phenomenon whereby digital art is purchased using virtual deeds of ownership, called NFTs, has proliferated. At their core, NFTs are unique units of digital data that are stored on blockchains. These blockchains are decentralized digital ledgers that keep track of transactions and are the technology that underpins cryptocurrencies, such as Bitcoin. It's easy to get lost in the details when talking about NFTs, but fundamentally, an NFT is not a digital image or piece of digital art itself, but rather a unit of data on the blockchain that says that you own the image, even if you may not own necessarily the copyright of that image. Throughout this year, we've seen many prominent examples of NFTs. Twitter founder Jack Dorsey sold an NFT of his first tweet for nearly $3 million. Eminem paid $450,000 for an NFT of a digital drawing of a cartoon ape. And in May, digital artist Beeple sold an NFT for over $69 million. That piece of art was a compilation of 5,000 pieces of individual digital art, one created each day over the course of nearly 14 years. Now, some might just characterize this as a speculative boom that is related to the sale of digital art, and proponents would agree, saying that it represents a populist uprising against traditional art and gives digital artists a way to sell ownership of otherwise universally accessible online art. Detractors, however, would suggest that the market is bound to collapse and that people are essentially just trading expensive digital pathways on blockchains that are actually surprisingly environmentally destructive considering the electricity that it takes to run that sort of technology. While NFTs can sound really strange when you're hearing about them for the first time, the shift in art away from the physical to the immaterial is not entirely new. While prehistoric art may have only been cave paintings on walls during the Paleolithic era, this transitioned to glass mosaics in the Hellenistic era, oil on canvas during the Renaissance, abstract sculptures in the post-World War II period, and graffiti-like art on public surfaces in the contemporary age. With art serving not only an aesthetic or an investment purpose, but also being used as a tool of social signaling, it's no surprise that defining art pieces are often absurdly expensive. When reflecting upon the transition of art over the ages, perhaps it's not so surprising that in a digital age, we would have digital art that's transacted in a purely digital manner. I don't think it's a surprise per se, but it for sure catches the eye when significant amount of money is being spent on what is otherwise very accessible online. My next question has to do with, in fact, rising prices uh, and ties into a point you want to make about inflation, how it's been persistent throughout 2021. I think as economics students, it's not surprising for us to talk about inflation. What is, however, is that over the past year, inflation was 5% in Canada and 7% in the US. Whilst moderate inflation of around 2% is generally acceptable, current rates are far higher. And this raises concerns about reduced purchasing power for households. Of particular concern is the redistributive nature of inflation. There's a much greater burden on poorer households who hold more cash than wealthier households who have more assets. While asset prices tend to rise in line with inflation, cash does not. Over time, left unchecked, poorer households will be left further behind. 
we may then ask ourselves why inflation is so much higher today than it has been over the last decade. And here, most people believe it is because of a supply chain crisis. And there's a lot of truth to this. A lot of factories shut down or at least reduced capacity when COVID hit for health reasons and also in anticipation of lower demand from reduced incomes. But there is the demand side of the story as well, where incomes at least measured nominally actually increased. Stimulus checks from government transfers enabled by printing of money by central banks like the Bank of Canada and US Fed supported nominally high incomes. With more money chasing too few goods, we should not be surprised that inflation has surged. In other important matters, the cash is also the emergence of mental health discussions. Can you share some trends that happened in 2021? Absolutely, Charles. Now, if you'll remember all the way back to July of 2021, I know it seems like it was 25 years ago. Under the bright lights of Olympic competition, U.S. gymnast Simone Biles made a shocking decision. That decision was that after months and months and months, years, in fact, of training, of focused nutrition, of managing her sleep, of performing death-defying flips and maneuvers uh, day in and day out, Simone Biles decided not to compete in five of the six events at the Tokyo Olympics, in which she was set to compete and set to win five gold medals. Now, Biles ultimately ended up only taking uh, a balance beam bronze medal and a team silver medal, as if that's nothing. I mean, I've won zero Olympic gold medals. But uh, Biles was largely criticized by some people for this decision. Uh, They called her a quitter, in a sense, for not following through on uh, defending her titles. Although, Largely, the bigger response was an outcry of the world in support of Biles, bringing to light the issue of mental health in sports and in society writ large. This built upon previous efforts by athletes such as swimming superstar Michael Phelps, basketballer Kevin Love, or tennis titan Naomi Osaka, who've openly discussed their struggles with depression, panic attacks, and anxiety. This is absolutely needed in a time when the CDC has reported a 50% increase in suicide attempts by teenage girls during the pandemic, uh, and a time when we should be candid about mental health and we should uh, relay the message that it's okay not to be okay. And I think that what Simone Biles showed is the triumph of personal well-being over external expectations and always taking control of the situation, putting your well-being first and, and recognizing the danger in competing Uh, in the events that she was set to compete in if she didn't have that connection between her mind and her body. So ultimately, the decision that Biles made was courageous given its enormity and sparked a broader conversation about mental health, which is a discussion that I hope we'll continue to have in 2022 and far beyond. In reflecting on 2021, It's also going to be worth looking beyond the events to discuss the people who shaped the year. More specifically, we want to discuss the legacy of two giants whose impact on the world will persist through the example they set and the progress they inspired. Charles, can you talk to us a little bit about Desmond Tutu? 2021 saw the loss of the great leader in Archbishop Desmond Tutu, considered South Africa's moral compass, Tutu fought against apartheid 
He was a thorn in the side of a white apartheid government that ruled a system of segregation and discrimination over the majority Black people of South Africa. Following the change from the political system of apartheid, the two chaired the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, where he worked for reconciliation among South Africa's races. A great master of humor and warmth, his rebukes went beyond the borders of South Africa. He criticized Israeli treatment of Palestinians and the US-led war in Iraq. Tutu was a freedom fighter whose determined effort to abolish apartheid earned him the Nobel Peace Prize in 1984. He died at the age of 90, but I'm absolutely certain that his legacy will continue to be with us moving forward. Okay, Akash, I know you have Milka Singh in mind. Can you share a little bit about him for us? For sure, Charles. Now, Milka Singh is someone who most people have probably never heard of, but nevertheless, I wanted to bring him up into this discussion to talk about both his career and his legacy, both of which I think are astounding. Starting with his career, Milka Singh was a champion sprinter in India who represented the country in 80 international races where he won 77 of them. This includes Milka's victory at the 1958 Commonwealth Games, where it was said that he brought 100,000 Englishmen to their feet after winning India's first ever gold medal in those games. He also went on to set a national record at the Rome Olympics, where he ran 400 meters in 45.6 seconds. But perhaps most impactfully, he returned to Lahore in 1960 for a competition that pitted him against Pakistan's champion sprinter, Abdul Khalik. The reason this race was so important was that it entailed Milka returning to his childhood home, the place where his parents and neighbors were brutally murdered during the violence that surrounded partition. And in agreeing to the competition, he was agreeing to overcome the fear, anger, and bitterness that first prevented him from going and competing in that race. After winning the race, Pakistan's prime minister bestowed upon him the title of the Flying Sikh as he cemented his legacy as a man who transcended his sport. Beyond his athletic achievements, Milka Singh will be remembered for pursuing unity over division, even in the most challenging of moments. In doing so, he sets an example for us all to aspire towards. While we wanted to talk about many more issues, including the U.S. withdrawal that brought to end the two-decade-long conflict in Afghanistan, or the billionaire battle to commercialize space travel that occurred in 2021. For the sake of time, we'll limit ourselves here. But there's much more discussion to be had and many more perspectives to be heard. And as a result, we're excited to announce that we'll be releasing a new episode every single month. So get pumped for our next episode coming March 1st, 2022. In the meantime, stay safe, be good, and never stop searching for a new point of view. Thank <music> you.